Welcome. I'm your host, Soraya of the Miracle Mom Mindset Show. I'm here to amplify the voices of mothers everywhere, to shift the paradigm of sacrificing ourselves in the name of motherhood, to filling our cup first. I believe self-love is a portal to our inner brilliance, and as we learn to love and care for ourselves, we will be able to take on the miracle of motherhood. Together, let us leave a legacy of deep love, illuminating moms, our children, and the planet at large. Welcome, Martina, to Miracle Mom Mindset. I'm so incredibly excited and grateful that you're here and we can spend these next few moments together. Uh, Martina and I have actually written a book together called Motherhood Diaries, which is a book about illuminating moms, our children, and the planet at large. And the essence of the book, it talks about conscious motherhood and self-love and really how to unconditionally love and accept yourself so that you can serve from a place of overflow, from completion um, rather than depletion. And so I'm going to introduce Martina. She's amazing. I'm so grateful. She's our Black queen on this project, and she brings so much um, beautiful energy and light and wisdom. And she's going to really talk to us today about uh, fertility and the experience of that journey. And I'm, I'm just so excited for us to uh, shine a light on the beautiful perspectives that she has. So let me just quickly introduce this beautiful woman in front of me. Uh, Martina lives in Toronto, Canada. She enjoys traveling and spending time with family and friends. And most of all, she enjoys the thrills of raising her beautiful daughter, Vivian Grace. Mm -hmm. Martina is an advocate for Black infertility wellness and strives to remove the stigma associated with infertility and pregnancy loss. Martina is currently working towards becoming a certified fertility specialist to support women on their fertility journey. So Martina, I just want to take a moment to celebrate you, to acknowledge you for coming forward to write your story and to share this with other women with such a pure heart um, to help other women who may be for facing fertility um, issues, you know, loss, um, who are facing even maybe systemic discrimination as part of the fertility journey. Um, it takes a lot of courage to write about this. It's a, it's a very personal experience. And so thank you. Thank you for feeling that call and coming forward and serving. And um, this is what I feel adds so much beauty to our book. There's so much diversity in terms of perspectives and backgrounds. And um, we're hoping that um, women of all walks of life can see a piece of themselves in the journeys that we share to support them on this beautiful and messy journey of motherhood. And so I would love to hear from you, you know, what inspired you to uh, write your story and to join the Motherhood Diaries team? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me here. Um, we've known each other for many years and um, it's always been it's always been a breath of fresh air to have conversation and and work with you now on this pro project. Um, so I just want to say thank you for your light and just for your love and your positivity and for you know the vision of this project. Um, I, it, it came at a time where I need healing. Um, I um, was experiencing. Um, uh, going through fertility. Um, I had just um, ended a marriage. Um, I had a four-month-old <laughs> and um, there were so many um, things happening in my life. And um, 
you, um, you know, sent me these messages saying, um, you know, do you know anybody? I'm thinking about doing this project. And you kept on knocking and asking if I know somebody. And then you came to me and said, would you write your story? <laughs> and um, you gave me all the details and I, I went away with the information. And my dear friend, um, God rest her soul, Jennifer, um, right, peer right. Um, she, I told her about this project and uh, she said, you know, she's like, do it. She's like, do it. When will another opportunity like this come? And she shared with me um, in that conversation that that's one of her goals is to write her story. So, um, so really and truly like a lot of this is because of her. Um, I miss her dearly. Um, but you know what, here we are, here we are. Two years later, um, the book has been out and, um, you know, uh, this journey um, has been life-changing um, and I'm just so grateful. Um, I'm just so grateful for this project. So I say thank you for your vision um, and thank you for Jen for her push. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, you're gonna, Jordan, I don't think I'm wearing uh, waterproof mascara here. Got to catch them before they fall. I'm so glad that you follow the calling of your heart, and um, you know that this is also a tribute to Jennifer and the influence she's had in your life. Yes. Um, you know, we've talked about how she's been such a bright light in your life to give you inspiration on your path, and now you're carrying that torch um, in, in her honor, in her name. And so thank you for just doing that. And, and honestly, it's, it's been a gift, uh, an endless, timeless gift um, to have you and all the women write this book with me. Um, it, it truly wouldn't be as beautiful and illuminated as it is um, at this point or in the future without you guys. Yeah. Uh, so everyone's voice has been so special. And I, I read this book and I've read it many times <laughs> as I've been editing. And I get so emotional reading it because I can feel the love and the energy behind every word that yeah. you've written. And yeah. so and that's one thing I love so much about this book is that there's so many different walks of life. There's so many different women from different areas around this world, not just in Canada, the US, but in Europe. And, um, you know, I think the many different backgrounds, faith, belief systems. I just love that everybody, anybody can pick up this book and feel a piece of themselves in it. I love that. I love that so much. It's part of the vision for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would love to read a, a quote from your story. I'm going to read a couple quotes because I think it's so important. Um, you shed a light on fertility and then your experience as a Black woman. And I think that's important to talk about that and to have you share with us that experience and then also you know what got you on the other side of that right because there's many women that are either exploring options on fertility or maybe they're already going through it and they're feeling that loss of hope right um and they're feeling um the, exactly how you felt and we're going to share that going through it and and they're looking for that rainbow or that ray of sunshine on their path which you definitely are. <laughs> I will say this to Martina. Every time I speak to her, she's like a ray of sunshine. She's always been so much uh, joy uh, in our conversations and just her energy. So I'm going to read this uh, quote from your story. And then I'd love for you to speak about your journey um, and how you felt. So uh, her story is called Regal Grace. On July 30th, 2017, after a few months of testing and cycle monitoring, at a local fertility clinic. 
I finally received a diagnosis for my failed ability to conceive. I was di diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, fibroids, and a blocked fallopian tube from a ruptured cyst. Mm -hmm. As a result, I had scarring to my fallopian tube. My doctor at the time told me that I could not have a child unless I had in vitro fertilization. It was highly expensive, and there was over a year wait for the one-time government assistance. I was utterly shattered. Despite my feelings, I had no time to cry. I had to bottle up my emotions and move on. The World Health Organization categorizes infertility as a disease. Infertility is a disease of the reproductive system defined by the failure to achieve a clinical pregnancy after 12 months or more of regular unprotected sexual intercourse. As a woman, we feel it should be our innate duty to produce a family. Mm -hmm. As a black woman, the inability to conceive is a double-edged sword. Growing up as a young black girl, many are taught to keep their health concerns private and not talk about their issues. Mm -hmm. So it's only fitting that I did not look at it as a disease, but blamed and hated myself that I could not conceive a child. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, infertility affects 12% of women of all races. Black women are twice as likely to experience infertility than white women. Only 8% of black women ages 25 to 44 seek infertility treatment compared to 15% of white women. I was a healthcare professional. I had done my research and yet the surgery that could fix my fallopian tube was not offered to me. So I'm going to stop right there. This is just so beautifully written. Can you talk about, um, from your perspective as a black woman, what was your, you know, what was your journey? Um, so I had, um, I had had like almost, a, you know, women, we have the second, the sixth sense, like I had felt like something was wrong. And I went to my family doctor and uh, she, she said, okay, you haven't been trying long enough, you know, keep on trying. So we were held back from the family doctor. And then uh, when we finally got to about the six to 12 month mark, um, they finally sent us to our fertility clinic. And so we waited for that appointment. And um, I got a fairly new doctor. Um, <clears throat> and um, um, I, you know, when I tried to look her up, I couldn't find very much information about her. So I didn't know what her experience was. And, um, but she was young and I, and I thought, okay, well, she, she would give me the information that I needed. And so I did all the testing and um, the testing for infertility is very invasive. Um, to get into detail at the beginning of your, your cycle, the first day of your period, you have to call the clinic, let them know that your period started. You have to go in and have an ultrasound while you're on your period. Um, so it's for them to see the eggs because that's the clearest image that they can see. And then you have to keep on going back um, within that first 10 days of your period, after your period starts to check for growth, how many eggs are gonna fall and so forth. And then they do monitoring as to when the eggs will drop. <clears throat> and then you take your medication to get things going. So um, it is very invasive. You are there sometimes, several times a week. I can't even tell you the, the amount of times I've gone um, on top of medication. So in that time, you know, um, when she told me this and I knew that the surgery was available, it just didn't make any sense. But, you know, in one part of you, you're trusting the doctor. Um, 
to give you the information that you need. But then the other part of you is like, but I know it's available, you know? Um, so it was a really hard place to be um, because you want to trust a colleague or a healthcare professional that should be a colleague. Um, she knew I was a nurse. She knew my access to information, but yet she told me that the surgery was not available. And she also told me I had PCOS, which we found out was not true thereafter. So in the moment, um, I didn't realize what I was experiencing. It was after the fact, in hindsight, um, when I look back and I was like, that was systemic racism. I was a plus size woman. I was a black woman. Um, endometriosis, PCOS are common diagnoses that are given to um, black women. Um, but yet, I didn't have it and I was diagnosed with it. Um, and so had I not made the decision to leave that fertility clinic um, and seek additional help, I don't think I would have had my daughter because um, the first thing that they suggested to me was IVF. Well, if my fallopian tube is blocked, how am I gonna get pregnant with IVF? And 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 if there's toxic food in that fallopian tube from, from what they say, from the IVF that could make my womb toxic, um, how am I supposed to sustain a pregnancy? Um, and so in Canada, um, we have one free IVF treatment and um, IVF is highly expensive, 10 to 20,000, depending on the person, depending on how many eggs and it, it's a lot of money. And um, I did not have the financial means to do IVF um, or wait another year, you know, for all this to happen. So um, in that experience, like, you know, it's like you feel like you're being pushed into a corner and you're trying to push back and find answers and you're constantly pushing until you're able to kind of duck and get out a different way. You know, when you're, you're trying to hold your kids back and they duck on the floor and they crawl between your legs, that's exactly like what I had to do. You know, I had to duck on my feet and crawl into a different direction to find help. And, um, you know, I was so grateful to find the physician that I found. Um, he, um, the first thing he says to me, you don't have PCOS. And I was like, okay. <laughs> second thing he was, who is this doctor? No, this surgery is available. I do it. <laughs> and literally, I had my appointment one week and two weeks later, I was in his operating room having the surgery. And thankfully, um, my fallopian tube was not blocked. It was twisted on itself. Um, and he removed all the scar tissue. And I had my first pregnancy literally within six months after that, you know? So, so I mean, looking back, like I am one woman who used my colleagues and everybody that I knew to ask questions. And I had family friends who had been through it. Um, but unfortunately that is not something that happens commonly. Yeah. that conversation, you know, a lot of the times we're taught to keep our, our self private, um, not to share certain stories. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful for the friends and the, the group of friends I have, because we have broken that stigma to have conversation. I have a group of girlfriends, we meet together every month, and we talk about everything. And in growing from this experience, you have to open your mouth, you have to have the conversation, you have to share your experience so that somebody else can be blessed by it. That's a, that's just like, it's just so fascinating to hear your experience. And also, you know, I just think about you're a healthcare worker, you know, you kind of knew to, to reach out to the different people, you had the background, 
um, to even have that kind of inkling, hey, wait a second, that's available. Mm -hmm. And so for women that um, may not have those backgrounds or supports mm -hmm. um, or that healthcare background, where, where do you recommend that they go? If there's something in their intuition that's saying, you know what, this doesn't feel quite right. Mm -hmm. um, do you recommend that they go for like a second opinion? I do. Yeah, I recommend asking for a second opinion. I recommend even if your family doctors want to do it, um, a lot of the times these fertility clinics, you can go and refer yourself. Um, they'll call oh, into fertility clinics. And a lot of the fertility clinics, they're supposed to have um, posted on their website their, um, their uh, it's a rate of, I guess, achievement rate or um, like success rate, sorry, success rate. So um, go to their website, see what their success rate is, you know, ask around. Um, and it's it's funny because after, after I went through my pregnancy, I was meeting so many people who had gone through infertility. Even there was one lady at work and, um, you know, I'm having conversation with her and um, she, I referred her to my fertility doctor and she had such a wonderful experience, but it's really opening your mouth and sharing your experiences. Um, I remember there was another woman at work. She's, she, somebody had said, um, made a comment and she's like, oh, this is not, this is a, this is an IVF baby. <laughs> she's like, I, I didn't get pregnant like everybody else, you know, but like not being afraid to share that. Um, and um now that social media is so prevalently, you know, bigger than it was, you know, eight years ago, I think the most important thing is to search, do your research, ask questions, um, YouTube stories, um, just to try and just educate yourself. Because I think that one thing is that um, the medical, medical field is also a money-making field, right? And so, um, Keeping that in the mind, yeah, we want doctors who are there for us, but it's also it's also a money making field, and unfortunately, sometimes you know nobody's out for your best interest, but you're you have to be out for your best interest. Yeah, you're advocating right for yourself. Yeah, I love that. That's such great advice for all women that are going through this. Um, and I'm just going to share because it, it just happened to be we didn't realize that Martina woke up and shared this with me today. It's Canadian Fertility Awareness Week. Yeah. And so as we were kind of um, doing our own research on this, um, there is quite a bit of uh, stigma around this topic, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, for women, uh, Black women, for women of color, Indigenous women, um, mm -hmm. not only is there stigma, but there's um, difficulty in getting access to fertility treatments, um, difficulty in getting referred, right, to fertility treatments. And like you said, diagnosis, that was like a big thing too. Mm -hmm. And um, with all of these different factors, women are not seeking as much the help of fertility treatments. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's financial barriers and there's many barriers that, that women um, mm -hmm. in general and then women of color, it's amplified are facing. And so is there anything you wanted to share on, on this piece in particular that you think is important to shed a light on? Yeah. So, um, so with Canadian, I didn't even know when we scheduled this, that it was going to be, um, Canadian infertility awareness, uh, infertility awareness week. Um, and about two weeks ago was, um, black infertility awareness week. Um, so, um, uh, the timing of this podcast is so, so amazing, but, um, you know, one thing in Canada is that we do not have statistics for, um, black infertility um, and the government is 
I believe they are working on it. I think I've read some articles about it. There have been conversations, especially on CBC. Um, they've they've posted a lot of um, articles about um, the 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 small amount of black physicians. Um, and just to kind of back piggyback off of that, like, you know, dermatologists, um, how um, diagnose, how you would diagnose um, an illness on a black skin, black skin compared to somebody who is white is very different. Um, and so getting the education that physicians need and then having um, having physicians that, that you can identify with, that is very low in, in, in Canada. Um, so, um, and so there was only one study that was done on um, infertility rate um, in Canada. And it was, I believe it was, um, it was done on 2004 to 2006. It was done by uh, McGill University. And that is the only study that was done. And that study was only for about two years. And it didn't even give a, enough, enough information of what they needed in order to kind of come to a conclusion. So there is no statistics in Canada. Um, the statistics from the CDC um, in the US that I, that I wrote in my story, those are pretty much the only statistics that are um, really available. And um, at the time I wrote the story it was one in eight um, women would be going through infertility. Now it's one in six, um, and that's just two years. And the statistics for infertility for Black women has also increased. Um, so <laughs> there's a lot of work that needs to be done um, and um, a lot of push. And I don't know what that looks like yet. Um, definitely really need to pray about it and see, you know, what, where is the place that we need to be to, in order to get this information out, but it's needed. Um, and going through my experience, um, I nearly died after having my daughter. You know, I, I had um, shortness of breath. Um, I had a blood pressure that was um, 200 over 100 and something. Um, I um, had swelling and I had postpartum eclampsia. Um, and all through my pregnancy, my blood pressure was being checked. I wasn't put on any, my blood pressure was elevated, but I wasn't put on any blood pressure medication. And, um, um, you know, I was fine until I had my daughter and I came home and I was trying to breastfeed and I was trying to sit up in the bed or go up and down the stairs and I was having trouble breathing. And um, it was my mom and my husband who said, no, you have to go to the hospital. And when I got there, I was flabbergasted to know that my blood pressure that was that high. And I ended up being in the hospital for four days, um, three, three, almost four days. Um, before I had to have medication and I like I couldn't even be close to my daughter and so like these are the things <laughs> that happen to women and I'm somebody who has a medical background and could identify okay but what I'm feeling is not okay and but because I was trying to take care of my child I wasn't really putting myself first so um uh in the moment like I really, you know, in hindsight, I should say is that I think about the women who do not have a medical background, who do not know what it feels like to have shortness of breath, shortness of breath, who would just wrap that up to be, I've just had a baby, I'm tired, you know, um, and would have possibly, possibly have lost their life because of that experience. And those instances are so high, <laughs> but um, this is what the awareness is, you know, you know, not thinking, okay, what I'm feeling is not okay, you know, um, is, is okay, but thinking that, but knowing that it is not okay, and that you do need medical help before and after your pregnancy. Absolutely. 
Thank you. So you've actually touched on so many topics. Like I think for that we have a lot of work to do in terms of the um, black women and people of color getting the access and even the support that they may need. Um, and so there's there's a road ahead for that. And, and then you touched upon how you almost passed away, and you know the things that you were able to pick up and not to ignore those symptoms and to really, you know, um, from, as a black woman or any woman, right? Especially as a black woman, I think pushing for and advocating for the support and help. Um, will probably look different, right, for people of color. And so I'm so glad that you're here with us and that you're sharing this because another woman going through this that may ignore a symptom or may not um, wrap it up to uh, something that's childbirth related, yeah. you could you could actually save a life, right, yeah. through sharing the story. So I really, really appreciate it. Um, thank you. There's just so much. I, I'm just enjoying this so much. I'm learning so much as I'm talking to you. Um, I'm going to share another excerpt from your story because I think it's important to talk about all the challenges that you face because I think it's important for people to experience that through you and see that. Um, and then I also personally know you and I see you as this resilient being that has navigated so many challenges and has been able to come on on the other side still smiling, <laughs> still smiling. And I want to talk about that because I think there's something that's really special about you. Um, and I think it's something that can also give somebody else hope. So I'll read the excerpt. And then I'd love to talk to you about what helped you get on the other side. You know, you've talked about fertility, um, mm -hmm. being that misdiagnosed, the systemic discrimination. You've talked about um, experiencing pregnancy loss in your story. You've mm -hmm. talked about nearly dying after giving birth and then also navigating a divorce during COVID, being a nurse. Um, so you're just an incredible being and a, a ray of hope for someone that's going through challenges that can truly see how to turn their pain into purpose. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just going to read this um, excerpt and then I'd love for you to talk a bit more about that. On June 26, 2019, even though I already knew I was pregnant from a home pregnancy test, there was no excitement for months of negative tests and losses. I held my daughter's first picture and I had my confirmed blood drawn pregnancy test. I went home not thrilled, but scared I was going to lose this baby like the last two. I learned in that moment to trust God during my pregnancy. I prayed for my child in the deepest way I could. During my fertility journey, my younger sister was pregnant with her first child. On July 19, 2018, she gave birth to the most beautiful, funny and loving little girl. <laughs> At the same time, my failure to conceive broke me. I yeah. fell in love with my niece. She healed my heart and gave me hope. My baby sister became my teacher. She taught me how to be a mother. She extended the olive branch and allowed me to take care of her. She taught me self-care was vital. She felt no guilt leaving the baby to get her hair done or go to Walmart. In the end, it was a loving, loving my niece that truly saved my life from the grief, pain, hurt, and anger of not being able to conceive. My niece taught me that love heals all. Exactly 19 months from the day of my niece's birth on February 19, 2020, I gave birth to Vivian Grace. My miracle child was a testament to my faith in God. She was my living proof that the words I read on June 2, 2019 were a promise. God's words say, he will never leave you or nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.6. That was just so beautiful. So yes, can you talk about that? Because I, I've known you for such a long time. 
And I know faith is a big part of who you are and how you come through all these challenges. And I'd love to hear from you um, for someone who, you know, as we think about other people that are going through struggle, can you talk about what helped you get on the other side and helped you keep going? Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, so many emotions in that. But here, it's so different to hear your story than to write it, but so many emotions. Um, I just remember um, throughout that whole pregnancy, my niece was just by my side. She was hugging my belly and um, like that, that just gave me so much love and hope. And, and now those two are inseparable. Like you can't even talk to one without the other one talking back to you. <laughs> Don't talk to her like that. <laughs> but, um, but it's, you know, it's just watching her. She was such a, my niece was a, just a beautiful little baby. And um, she, she was so quiet and she was so peaceful. And it was just so nice to watch her and watch her grow and just, you know, get that little experience. It's so, it's so interesting how God works because here I am wanting to be a mom and this beautiful soul comes. I remember the first day I held her on the, the morning after she was born and I just bawled because I'm like, look at this beautiful ball of hope, you know? And, um, oh my gosh, look at me. And, um, I just wanted to be around her. Like if, if I knew she was going to be at my mom's house, I was going to my mom's house to see my niece. Like I just wanted to be around her. And um, she was the first person I told when I got pregnant because <laughs> she couldn't tell anybody. But <laughs> but um, it was it was just, you know, just being around her and then watching my sister like take care of herself, go get her hair done, you know, leave the baby with my mom and go out with her boyfriend for dinner. You know, I like, I watched like what it meant to be a mom, like, you know, what it meant to take care of yourself and not put everything ahead of you, but also put yourself first. And um, so that experience um, really did give me hope um, in a time where I felt hopeless. Um, that baby, my niece, um, my niece, she was just, um, she, 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 her, just her being, um, just gave me the hope I needed, you know, and, um, so when I did get pregnant, um, you know, I was around her quite a bit, because, um, um, I had lived out, out of, out of town, about 45 minutes away from where I worked, and so a lot of the times, because of the drives in the early mornings, I stayed up with my mom and my niece was there and um, we would cuddle and read books and watch TV and she'd hug my belly. And it was just, it was just so beautiful. So um, yeah, like I, you know, it's so funny how God heals you through, through experiences. And, and I have pictures and I look back at those pictures and I cry because I just, that was just so beautiful. Um, so when we talk about um, you asked me about self-love, right? <laughs> you asked me yeah, about and, and about your faith, because I think that's yeah. been a huge part, right? Of just yeah. your resilience and uh, what so, got you through. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. self-love, um, most importantly, my faith. Um, I'm a Christian, um, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And um, um, you know, through this whole process, um, I, you know, went to that service, you'll, you'll read about in the story, and it was like everything was aligned, the story, the sermon, the music, and um, it just rang joy into my heart. And so I read that verse over and over, over my stomach, I anointed my stomach with oil, I um, prayed over my belly. Um, throughout my whole pregnancy. And even one of the songs, one of the gospel songs I used to sing to Vivian, 
until now, if I sing the song to her, she just kind of calms down, you know? So, um, so my faith, um, my trust in God, like I, I remember saying, this is your child. So I want you to take control of this whole pregnancy. And, um, that's what got me through. And, um, even now it's just my, my prayer life and my, my faith in God has gone even deeper because, um, make, taking the decision to leave a marriage that was not, that I was not happy in so many opportunities open for me and so now um I I work instead of you know working the job that I was working I was working 12 hours and just odd shifts here and there I was given an opportunity to work in a clinic at the hospital that I work at and I also work with pregnancy patients who experience some of the same things I worked with and I also work with pregnancy patients who have had loss and I've sat down with them and I've had conversation with them. And I never say anything is by accident through God because I would never have been able to do the job I do now without going through the experience I went through. So as painful as it was, I'm able to be a light to somebody else because of what I've been through. I'm able to understand what my patient is going through because I've been because of what I've gone through. Um, and so there's a Bible verse, um, Mark, <laughs> I had it saved here, but then my, my computer, it's Mark 12, verse 30. And it says, um, sorry, Mark 12, verse um, 29. And so Jesus is talking about the greatest commandments. And he says, the most important one, Jesus answered Jesus, is this, hear, O Israel, um, the Lord our God, the, the Lord is one. Lord, Love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And when we talk about the second commandment, verse 31, it says that love your neighbor as you love yourself, meaning that you need to love yourself before you can love anybody else. Mm-hmm. And you know, somebody shared that with me just a few weeks ago. And I was like, wow, you are so right. <laughs> But it, that verse rings so much new to me because of the fact that it says, love your, love your neighbor as yourself. How can I love my neighbor if I don't put love into myself? And so since, and I think even since I wrote this book, my self-love has increased so much more. I spend time with my girlfriends and I go get my nails done and I get my hair done. Things that fill my cup because I cannot give from an empty cup. So yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Oh. There's so many things you've touched on. Like, I think that um, the faith, right? That you shifted your mindset to rest this baby's life in the hands of God, which is where it came from. This baby's life was planted within you. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you shift that perspective to just lean on that higher force, right? That is there, that is orchestrating all this. It also provides great comfort and, and, you know, brings your stress down because you know that, Mm -hmm. They, this higher force already has it figured out for you. Mm-hmm. We'll do what's in the highest expansion of all. And so to go through what you went through and to to lean on further and to rest your head in, in God's um, arms, you know, to say, take it forward for me, um, mm-hmm. pave this path. I trust you. I surrender to you. That's just so beautiful. So I want to highlight that. Mm-hmm. And then you talked about this um, second commandment, which is, um, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And, you know, this this book talks a lot about um, leaning and surrendering. And it also talks about, a lot about self-love and that being the gateway to opening 
our, our inner brilliance, our purpose on this earth. And it's like, we, we talked about that this a little bit before we hit the record button was mm-hmm. that, um, you know, you are born a vision in the, the mind of our creator mm-hmm. and that vision is born of love. And mm-hmm. so if we could just see ourselves as our creator saw us yeah. with these eyes of just love and yeah. compassion and peace, mm-hmm. um, then you become more aligned to the force of the creator because, you know, the purpose of our lives is to think like our creator thinks with love, with compassion, with peace. And, you know, we are given all these challenges that come our way that are meant to um, heal us and open us up and bring us back to the awareness of why we're here and why it matters. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's just such a beautiful verse that just fits Mm -hmm. so nicely in with what we're talking about. And even with the book and um, what we're, we're creating together. So Thank you for sharing that. I think that's beautiful. And, you know, for the listeners, whatever your ethnic faith background, just to have that belief in that strength in this higher force that's leading you, right? To know that you're not alone, that you don't have to have it all figured out. It's already being figured out for you, um, can bring you deep hope and strength on your journey. And so don't forget um, your faith. Uh, Don't forget that you're not alone. And um, you are being guided on this journey, even though it could feel dark. Mm-hmm. There is always light in the darkness. Exactly. There is always light in the darkness. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. That's so beautiful. Uh, I could talk to you all day <laughs> about this. This is so wonderful. Um, so yeah, well, I'd love to hear from you. So you talked a little about, about you know, taking time out for yourself and that being a big part of being a good mom mm-hmm. and be able to take care of yourself and even to strengthen that faith, right? That, that strength in the faith. Um, so is there something that you do as a mom that you find helpful? Let's say if you're feeling overwhelmed or out of alignment, you know, mm-hmm. a self-love ritual or practice, which is your go-to yeah. um, that maybe you do on a daily basis or you do for yourself. What does that look like? Can you share that with our listeners today? Well, there's a few things. I guess I can share. There's a few things. Um, I'm so grateful to be a part of um, a women's group. Um, it's called Embrace Women Services. Um, it's um, run by um, a, a great woman. Um, her name is Jackie Nugent, and um, it's it came out. It's always been there, but I never had the time to actually sit and listen on the prayer line because of my work hours. And so when my work hours changed, when I went back to work, um, I had time to be able to go onto this prayer line. And so it's been about a year and a half that I've been listening and on the prayer line and, um, you know, just hearing this group of women who are mothers, who are women of God. Um, We have a devotion, we pray in the morning, we talk about the devotion, we pray for one another, um, you know, and so that is, that is like my daily morning, every morning, Monday through Saturday, Um, you know, sometimes Mondays are a little bit harder, because I'm usually off Mondays, but, um, but Definitely Monday through Saturday, if I am able, I am on that prayer line and I'm listening in and getting the education and the teaching to just deepen and strengthen my faith. Um, um, And um, I have a group of friends. Um, I have um, five girlfriends that I'm very close with. Um, Three of us meet every month for brunch and I have conversations with all of them throughout the month. But um, it's funny because we... um, 
we had a little get together over the weekend for one of um, the friend's birthday. Um, and uh, we didn't meet up this month because of this party. And uh, one of the girls said to me, she's like, I missed our get together. She's like, it fills me up and I feel so brand new. And I said, don't worry, next week we're getting together and we're gonna fill each other's cup. And so having that group of friends um, that we can talk to, and there's no topic off limits when we have our conversations. We talk about everything, we share everything, we pray with each other. Um, and so I'm so, group, I'm so grateful for our monthly get-togethers. Um, and um, um, I just recently started doing this, but really being um, <clears throat> very diligent about putting time aside for myself. So um, <clears throat> back in February, I started saying, okay, well, every quarter or every season, I'm going to do like a silent retreat for myself. And so book myself into a hotel room and I'll pray or I'll read or I'll do whatever I need to do just to kind of break away from everything. So I did the first one in February. I'm due for one soon. <laughs> and um, and also just getting together with friends, like going away with friends, you know, going to wine country or, you know, doing something out of the ordinary, just kind of break the the normalcy of, of every day. But yeah, so those are a few of the things I do. <laughs> oh my God, those are amazing. I think all like women listening and moms listening, those are all great, great suggestions. Um, I love the prayer line, Embrace Women Services, you said. Um, the amazing support uh, group that's there that you talk about prayer and, and motherhood and you deepen your faith. Mm -hmm. And then the supportive friends group that you meet once a month where you can just talk about everything, no holds bar. That's really, really awesome. And then I love that silent retreat that you're putting aside time. You're scheduling the time um, for some silence some time for silence, for prayer, for reflection, uh, or even going away with friends. So I think those are all amazing practices. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I, I love hearing about this because, you know, every woman does it in their own way and they can pick what, what resonates with them. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to ask you about um, what is your legacy? What is the legacy you want to leave behind? I am still, I think I'm still trying to figure out what that is. Um, uh, you know, it's it's funny that you asked me this because this has been kind of something that's been on my mind. What is my purpose? Why am I here? Um, and um, and I'm I'm still trying to figure out where is my purpose. But I think as I heal and I grow, as I get deeper in my prayer life, I just I just want to be. I just want to be, um, just, I just want to be happy. You know, I, I think my legacy is that I just want to be happy. I want to be around my family. Um, and then whoever is blessed by that, out of that, I hope that my, my happiness transcends happiness in some way. Mm, I love that. My yeah. happiness transcends happiness in somebody. That, that's really beautiful. Like I, the quote Maya Angelou was coming to mind when you're speaking that legacy is every life you touch. And so as you were speaking earlier, and I, I it just kind of popped in my head, but the service that you are doing through your experiencing, through your experience, right? You're working with the women at the clinic, um, you know, through the things that you've experienced mm -hmm. and gone through. To me, that's also part of your beautiful legacy because you're becoming this channel, this vessel for love right for for service to flow through your form through what you've gone through to help somebody to be a light to be a compassionate force and and then that kind of connects with your happiness right um as one form of happiness like you talk about happiness with your family and 
um, you know, the happiness that you're kind of embodying, may it provide happiness to others. So I want you to know you are already fulfilling your legacy. <laughs> Unknowingly, you're already fulfilling your legacy through every life you touch on a daily basis, um, through being an open channel for God to flow through you, through the service that you're doing, um, to be open to the journey, right, and where you're being guided. And that is, I can just see from you as you kind of sit here and you're taking it in, that is a beautiful legacy. So I just want to just want to remind you of that you're already living it. <laughs> um, I wanted to also ask you, because I know this, this podcast is all about self-love and you're such an intentional mom about what you want to share with Vivian, right? Yes. How you want her to show up for herself on self-love and through mm -hmm. what you've learned. And so can you share a little bit about that? What you yeah. want to teach Vivian uh, about self-love? So I think um, one thing, I th and I shared this with you, is that um, I was reading an article when she was very young and she started to, you know, started to like to hear one or two words here. Um, the article was talking about praising children and um, and it, it was saying that instead of saying, oh, you did a good job, like, um, say, are you proud of yourself, you know, and allowing them, I'm like, mommy's proud of you, are you proud of yourself, you know, um, because that allows them to have confidence in themselves as they're growing, you know, and, um, uh, you know, as I'm going through potty training and all that stuff, I'm like asking the question, are you proud of yourself? You did a good job, right? Is Vivian proud of herself? Yeah, Vivian's proud, you know. Um, you know, right now her her thing is, is if I call her a baby, I'm not a baby, I'm Vivian, you know, like that, that yeah. scene, like letting her stand in her truth. Yeah, I am not a baby, I'm Vivian, <laughs> you know, yes. and not correcting her because she's right she is not a baby, she's Vivian, you know, and allowing her to, you know, be her own person. And, and I think that it's just so, it's so amazing watching her grow because um, if I get upset with her or if I say something to her she doesn't like, she'll, she'll say to me, mommy, I'm angry or mommy, I'm sad. And I'm like, why are you sad? And then we'll have a little conversation about it in her little toddler three nature self. And, um, you know, we'll hug it out, but, you know, I want her to use her voice. I want her to be able to use her voice. And so, so um, really allowing them to have pride in who they are um, and speak up for themselves. And, you know, if, even if it's Papa or, or Nana or Auntie who bothers them saying, I didn't like that. That's not okay. No, thank you. You know, um, voice and proud and pride for themselves. Yeah. I love that. She's such a lucky uh, little baby, not baby, but Vivian Grace. She's such a lucky Vivian Grace. She's not a baby, she's Vivian. But I was going to say, she, she's so lucky to have you as a mom that you hold space for that, right? That you you hold that space where she's comfortable sharing if she's sad or mad and and yeah. you could have the conversation and go deep with deeper with her and yeah. allow her to kind of voice where that's coming from, right? And seek to understand. Yeah. Um, and then also building those um those abilities to speak positively towards herself or to see herself with a positive reflection because I think that's a big one in self-love yeah and somewhere along the line we we can stray from the positive self-perception right yeah and that's yeah and I don't know how you felt about that but yes 
Absolutely. And, you know, I have to catch myself and I, and I, you know, you know, women, we always look at, oh, I, I wish I want to change this about my body or look at my belly. And there was one day where I did that. I, I was like, oh, my belly. And I watched my daughter look at herself in the mirror and be like my belly. And I had to stop myself. I, I had to be convicted to be, I have to love myself more because she's watching everything I'm doing, yeah. you know, yeah. and, um really being a positive light for them so that they have something positive to reflect off of well I think that's beautiful that you're so self-aware right that you are creating that imprint in how she's viewing herself and um you know we we all can have those thoughts where we can get you know in a mode of perhaps critical towards ourselves mm -hmm. but the journey of self-love is becoming aware of those thoughts and then taking ownership and and choosing to see ourselves in a different way and choosing yeah. to see the, the beauty uh, in the perfection and the imperfection of, of the human experience, right? Because no one's perfect and, and we are each beautifully imperfect. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I love that. I love that you noticed it yeah. and made a <laughs> shift, right? Because that's where the, the beauty and the magic is, is making the conscious shift. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so what advice would you give first-time moms? I know being a first-time mom is a huge uh, learning curve. Uh, we've talked about fertility and a little bit about that experience. Yeah. Um, but as a first-time mom, what advice would you have given yourself uh, going through the transition? Um, oh my gosh, there's so much advice I'd give my, my old self. Um, get the doula. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I say that because um, I just remember going through that whole delivery experience and feeling completely overwhelmed. And um, I wish I, I had invested in a doula um, just to kind of venture me and just kind of keep me in the moment. Because I, I remember the day, but it just went by so fast, you know, and I don't, I, it was, there's so many valleys and mount like peaks and valleys in that day but um I would like I look back and I was like I wish I invested in that doula um, um so get the doula <laughs> I know it's expensive but get it you'll be great you'll be grateful for it um and especially like after um with the breastfeeding and then going through COVID um going through COVID with uh like like less than four week old, um, you know, um, not knowing how to breastfeed and having that difficulty. My mother was away. There was a lot. Um, so get the doula. <laughs> and um, I, I would say the second thing I would say is that, um, you know, find your village, you know, find as you're going through your, your pregnancy, find your village, like um, the people who check in on you while you're pregnant to see if you're okay, if you need anything. And, um, you know, you know, it's my, I have a friend who's getting ready to deliver in just a few weeks. Um, and I said to her, I said to her one time, I'm like, if you need help, let me know. And she, she sent me a text literally the same week and said, yes, I do need help. You know, not being afraid to ask for help, you know, and I, I went over and I put together the stroller for her and I, you know, showed her how to put the car, showed her and her husband, how to put the car seat in the car. And we, we did everything and I walked them through how to open the stroller, close the stroller and, you know, put that car seat in and, you know, it like just that little moment, you don't know how much that means for somebody, um, especially a new mom. And, um, share your experience, um, ask, ask questions, ask lots and lots and lots and lots of questions. Um, but most importantly, just don't be afraid to ask for help because um, 
a lot of the times we feel like we can do it, but we can't, we need a village. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's such a huge transition. Yes. It's the biggest transition we'll face as women is becoming a mom. Absolutely. And so, oh, yeah, I love all the things you shared. Get the doula, I heard. Yeah, get the doula. Yes. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help. I think that's a big one, too. I think a lot of women are sort of independent and programmed to kind of figure it out on their own. But why struggle? Like, really do ask for help. Um, and the village, right, that you talked about, a yeah. group of women or, you know, supports that you can lean on um, mm -hmm. during the pregnancy and then post. Like, there's just so much... Um, that you're going to go through physically, emotionally, spiritually, transition, right? So make sure you have that village that's going to be willing to be there um, to help you, not just to visit, but to actually help you with the things that are, you know, required when you're healing, you know, meals and maybe a break, sleep, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you want to take a shower, uh, you know, yeah. any of those things, right? Um, as you're trying to figure out and navigate um, the initial chaos of, of baby coming in, beauty yeah. and chaos, elation and, and yeah. a little bit, of, um, not a little bit, but it, it is a bit chaotic, right? When you first have a baby because you're not sleeping, you're healing. Uh, and then you're just overwhelmed by this beautiful, magical love that you feel for your child that you just, yeah, it's the duality. So yeah, I love what you've shared there. And um, is there anything that you, want to share with us that we may not have talked about yet that you feel is really important you want to share on you know self-love motherhood anything uh, on your journey that you feel we didn't cover um I think for my moms or moms in waiting who are going through infertility I think that um one thing I can say is that as you're going through it it's it's a very painful and isolating time and um give yourself grace. Um, that's all I have to say. Just give yourself some grace. Um, it feels so heavy <laughs> in the moment, but give yourself grace, hold on to hope, um, and um, just be open um, to, you know, sometimes we, we have this cookie cutter way of thinking of what family needs to be, but just be open to family comes in so many forms. So. Um, so yeah, so I think that just just give yourself grace um, and and just hold on to your village and don't hold it in. Talk, talk about it. Find a support group, talk about it um, and get support, ask questions and get second opinions. Do everything you need to do so that you find peace. It's oh, beautiful. Thank you, Martina. Because there's so many jewels here that you've shared and I know that um, women going through this or that may go through, through this down the road, they'll just find so much comfort and hope in your words. And, um, you know, I, I feel inspired by our conversation and I feel hopeful in our conversation for all the women that are transitioning, exploring options out there. So thank you for just shining your light for, for serving for really, you know, taking your experience and being willing to write write the story to share with women to speak it through our podcast and then to continue to be a support for women on this journey of fertility and so where can women find you if they have a question or they want to connect where can they find you um you can find me on my instagram page so it's at tina tribina t-i-n-a-t-r-i-b-i-n-a -I 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 <laughs> amazing <Instagram. laughs> yeah. 
Amazing. And I'll also drop it in the notes. So if you didn't catch that, don't worry. <laughs> I'll drop it in the notes. And thank you so much for your time today. I loved our conversation. Thank you, thank you and for having the space for, for this conversation. Oh my gosh. I so appreciate you just taking the time, Martina. It's just, there's just so many jewels that you shared. So thank you so much. And to all the listeners, have a beautiful rest of your day. I know you will having uh, experienced the ray of sunshine, Martina. And, um, and we'll definitely catch you back for another episode. Have a great day, everyone. Bye for now. Take mm -hmm. care. Bye. I want to extend my deep gratitude for each and every listener. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please like, subscribe, and share it forward for the greater good. I want to celebrate and remind you that each moment you spend time to fill your own inner cup, you are stepping more brightly into your purpose, allowing your fullness to shine through. You become an extension of love, an extension of the universe. You become a living example of what it means to shine at full bright, giving your children the permission to do the same. Together, let us illuminate moms, our children, and the planet at large.